Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. And a baby. (laughs) Enjoy. All right. So I want to keep this one brief because it's too big. And I just want to keep it to the high. Like, I love the concept of distilling things down when you have a lot to say, when you have a lot to do, when you have a lot to, of like ground to cover in any capacity. I love the idea of distilling things down. I've learned so much from one of my teachers, Katie V of River Island Apothecary. She's taught me a lot about what magic minding. So hearing a bunch of words and then distilling them down. And when you look at just that pile of tiny distilled words, what you're left with is super potent and takes on a deeper meaning. So let's distill this big, Great. bad, big, bad boy down. <laughs> let's do it. Roe v. Wade overturned. Oof. I know. So one thing I want to say is I just saw a really important message out there that was a bit of a wake up call for me as me as well, because I had been kind of doing this as this same thing of, of likening uh, the situation to The Handmaid's Tale, right? Because of this like dystopian world that I've been hearing about looming over us since I was in high school and read 1984. And Love that that's what my high school was feeding me. I really love that. And so, you know, now that it's happening, it's like I've said a couple of times like or thought about it, Handmaid's Tale. And then it was this black woman who spoke up and was like, white women, please. Like this is actually this shit has been happening, right? Like there are people of color who've been living this experience of being oppressed, controlled and owned by men and the government and, you know, people in power forever. So Handmaid's Tale, nothing. Handmaid's Tale has been a thing, right? It's just now that it's maybe going to impact or it, ha- it with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it is going to impact white women as well. Like it now, oh, now Handmaid's Tale is happening. So those words are going to be out of my mouth. And I hadn't thought of it quite like that because it's like, I guess I had thought, well, I'd had my, you know, white centered experience of like the whole entire nation, all of the women in this nation are affected by this now. How are you affected by Roe v. Wade? First off, I'm just scared for our country. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. And those are all emotions that I'm experiencing directly affected. I think that I'm sure there are some sort of statistics on, you know, how it affects the Economy, environment, um, education system, uh, you know, all those things, like all of those bigger social structures and systems, which are directly and indirectly undermined because of decisions like this, those things affect me. But I, I think for the most part, you know, I, I don't know everything that I can do right now, but I, I'm still, I think, in a state of like shock and extreme, extreme frustration and disappointment and empathy for the the women across this country who this is 
directly impacting. Well, and it may, it may directly impact us as well. Like, and and I'll talk about that in a second, but I just want to say, I would like for you to continue to process through those thoughts and find yourself on the other side of a free state, because I told you this the other day that your silence has been a little deafening for me personally. So I would love for you to do that and to get to a place where you don't just internalize, uh, like internally metabolize it, but that you actually say something because your voice matters. And so I hear that you, you haven't, I can hear it now. Like the thoughts aren't fully formed. And of course I'm coming to it with this like super fire, but like that would be really helpful for me and would feel really supportive to me. Okay. Yeah. I hear that. And I did hear you the other day. I mean, I think, I think part of it is outside of those emotions. My immediate reaction is sometimes very analytical, right? I like analyze the situation. I think about the the strategy that had been used for decades by um, the conservative and pro-life movement to stack the court, the ways in which the, the voting happens, you know, the kind of whole systems and structures around this. And that just didn't feel right to sort of like deduce the problem to some sort of analysis of strategy or analysis of political happenings like it it was so much deeper and bigger than that that I still don't feel like I have as you said like you know the magical distillation distillation of the right words to say thank you Neo hi everyone did you know that the reading aloud podcast has a patreon account That's right. When you support this podcast through Patreon, you become a part of our Reading Aloud family, and we love our family members. At its core, this podcast is about providing insight and conversations that will support and inspire our listeners to deepen their relationships and build community through conversation. Every week, we receive meaningful feedback on how the Reading Aloud podcast has supported someone through a challenging time. And now we need your support to keep that going. Your Patreon commitment not only provides you with curated, fun, and interactive bonus content, it helps us cover the many costs of producing a podcast. Check out our Patreon link in the show notes and see which level you can commit to. And know that we thank you so much for both your listening support as well as your financial support. Now let's get back to today's conversation. You know, what I think people think about, right, like they think about abortions and they think about it as a moral issue. They think about it as like a lot of people think about it as like person A, unprotected sex because she was not doing the right thing. Right. Like she made a decision that she, quote unquote, shouldn't have made. Got it. Got it. Then she ends up pregnant. Then she decides casually that her form of birth control is to have an abortion. Okay. Maybe that happens from time to time. There's no, no, nobody is allowed to judge that as responsible or irresponsible. But what this also means is that anybody who needs any kind of intervention around a life threatening pregnancy is also at risk. And there was a story that just got told the other day, just to kind of put this in perspective of a woman who was told that her baby had died within her, you know, she had a very visceral experience of, of when the baby died and the baby died, but she did not, she was not ready to let it go. And so she's having this like internal struggle. You know, the answer to this is she dies or she has a DNC. 
So, you know, an abortion, basically. And she gets shuttled to the nearest hospital. There's this whole thing. She's feeling very conflicted inside. She has, she's a pro-lifer. She's like, I don't know what to do, but the baby has not survived. And then the only way for her to live is to have this DNC and the doctor couldn't perform it. This just happened, right? Like in the past week, the doctor couldn't perform it, ends up on the phone with a bunch of lawyers. It takes 19 hours to get through this whole like legal decision process before they were able to save her just in the nick of time for her to survive. This isn't somebody who had unprotected sex and you know what not and I don't want to continue to reinforce that the unprotected sex and this is the their model of like I don't want to even speak that again because that just further perpetuates that that's a values thing but this person for the conservatives who forget that like they could end up in this very situation and need the service that they are banning that they have banned and also like I had this sort of cynical response of like okay, so then we're going to have more kids in foster care. We're going to have more children who there there aren't the resource, like families don't have the resources or ability to care for. And the one other thing I'd like to say is, you know, I saw this really generous, what seemed like a very generous offer from uh, Seattle Tacoma International that said we will welcome anyone traveling here for an abortion with open arms and like something about an extra effort, like a welcoming and also like a we will support you and assist however we best can. At first I was touched and then the next thought that I had was like, if you can afford to fly to freaking Washington, I mean, you know, the march that came right after the overturning, a friend of mine was trying to go from L.A. and the cost of the plane ticket, which I understand is plane demand or whatever, but like the cost was $3,427 to fly to Washington. Wow. Which um, just feels like, again, supply and demand and also uh, a great way to get people to not do that. Right, right, right. I mean, I think I, I'll just I'll just say, and I appreciate you know all of those things, and I think the stories that you shared. I heard a couple more stories on the radio this morning of women telling their stories of having the the power to choose, power to determine what's right for them, literally save their lives. And I think that those stories are so important to share. I think the thing that me wait, pers- wait, 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 wait. I just want to say one thing to that. I think that if we continue to focus on the people who need abortions to say for life-saving measures, then we are forgetting the fact that that doesn't fucking matter and this is a choice. And it is the right to choose that's important. And if you read the Constitution appropriately, also, have we ever considered that the Constitution is just bad? But if we read it appropriately, it is all about freedom and liberty and the right to choose. And all of that is being... <laughs> hold on that that sentence just got a little wonky but it is about the freedom to choose and so you know it doesn't have to be a moral thing I'm just sort of saying like I I wonder if the conservatives missed that element of it and how they intend to think about you know somebody they love dies you know but like that shouldn't be what we're focused on the the people who are dying were just should be focused on the fact that this is just not okay. This is just not okay to take rights away from women and that this is going to lead to another level of economic disparity between women and men. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing for me that has been the most powerful is the hypocrisy of it in that, I mean, it is just, 
dripping, oozing with hypocrisy in the sense that none of these decisions, none of these decisions are about protecting. It's not about the babies. It's not about the life. I mean, if it, it, it's, it's like, I mean, if it were truly about that, then we would be doing so many other things to create environments in which babies, kids, mothers, fathers, families thrived. Yet at the same time that we're making these really dominating, ugly decisions at the highest levels yeah, of but our it go- all comes it all comes back to the bootstraps mentality. Well, pick yourself up. You made this decision. Live with it. Do something about it. You know, and then all these examples of like the one off of somebody who like, despite the fact that they had more kids than they were prepared to have or had kids at a young age or had kids that, you know, whatever, like, despite that, they still thrived. And it's like, that's not the reality. It is going to set us back. Yeah. 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 And the way that those stories are used to ignore what's happening at a at a broader scale. I mean, I guess that. Yeah, I mean exactly. And that that's just the 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 essence that that really gets me is the you know, is just this this whole I mean it is it is just so clearly about power and domination. It is not about babies or women or rights. It is about power and domination at the end of the day. And also there's now conversations about IVF and I think about let's say we had had you know, 20 embryos fertilized, right? We only had seven fertilized, three were not compatible with life. We were left with four to have genetic abnormalities, but they're still here in being frozen. And and one other one is genetically normal, but you know, there's conversations about what to do with those, those lives, their lives according, right? Their lot. This is where life begins and like for the pro-lifers. And so it's like, oh, okay. So now are we going to be able to, what are we going to have to do with the other embryos that we choose not to use? Yeah. You know, and I don't want to make this about me, but I just, that's what you said. Like, how does it impact yeah. you? That might be and how it, it impacts could you. Directly impact us. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, not that that is the most important yeah, thing. But that's matters, our story. But that, that's yeah. just to note, like there are so many complexities to all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what is our fi- closing thought on this? Like f- for me, it's about asking you to to continue to do your work to process through this and, and to show up. And I also understand that we can't take on every issue. Um, but as a family, this one's really near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I promise to do so. All right. Love you. Love you. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.